ready to experience an amalgam of sexual excess and demonic elegance that is just as likely to fuck you as it is to tear your heart out. Are you ready to have your head ripped off and sewed back onto your body at least like 30 times? Have you prepared your psyche for the likely possibility that by the end of this movie, you will be turned into a human briefcase? Have you ever felt fear so guttural that it made you take a dump so that you would be lighter and therefore able to run faster from the thing that just scared you so bad that it made you poop your pants? then read the books because holy shit, none of that stuff will happen to you if you watch this movie. This movie is so underwhelming. It's so underwhelming that it took, it ugh. It says it's the books of blood and it's by Clive Barker, but like an hour of this hour and 30 minute, 30 plus minute movie is dedicated to a story that's not even in the books of blood and the main character fucking lives i have a rant about it later in the episode so you know wait until then but uh i definitely say that um for this episode which is one of the few episodes that i've ever said this for uh i would definitely just like fuck the movie just listen to the episode have a fun time with me and my my, my guest today brianna woodward uh, and then just, you know, like write this movie off. Go watch Trick or Treat or, you know, go go watch Candyman. There's so many better Clive Barker books. Oh, sorry, Clive Barker movies that have been adapted from the Books of Blood uh, besides this movie. And Candyman, I think, is the best example of that. But yeah, to elaborate a little bit more on my guest today, uh, her name is Brianna Woodward. She is a fellow Boston comedian, a uh, hard, hardworking person. The second the pandemic started closing down bar rooms and stuff, she started hosting online open mic she was like one of the ver the first virtual mics that i had ever seen pop up and, and stuff and then she started helping other people set up their virtual open mic so she works her ass off she is a fantastic artist too she's actually responsible for the show art so that like the wolf and the, the skeleton and the and the the, mar the marquee that she did that she made that so, so yeah this is this is a good a good interview a good, good interview good review it's a good review uh, with a, a person that I think is uh, super cool and uh, they are actually as into the books of blood as I am so I we had a great discussion and I definitely think that this episode is good to get you ramped up to read the books of blood or to respect other Clive Barker stories uh, in their own right uh, and maybe even make you a little pissed off if you did see this movie for the things that you could have seen if they did a good adaptation of the books of blood but anyway uh, I digress um in other news, uh, the musical recommendation for this episode, uh, for this spooky Hallow's Eve, uh, is a is a spooky spooky band with a spooky girl as the lead singer. The band's name is M I Y N T. Um, I mean, I can't you know speak for them and whether or not like what what aesthetic they were going for, but I definitely get. Uh, some pretty cool vibes from it like uh i don't know if anybody out there is a fan of crosses i think i've compared other bands to crosses before but um it's got like great bass fantastic fantastic bass it's well mastered it's it's a bumping song but it's it's got some some good billy eilish vibes like some spooking spooky spooky like too cool for school kind of shit is uh is what this band's got going on so give them a listen um on the Facebook page, I'm, I'm going to post and my, my Facebook and Instagram page, which are now up and thriving. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have uh, a picture of the album and all that stuff. So you'll be able to see uh, what album I bought from them. 
And last but not least, uh, I do think it's worth mentioning that we, we this is a scarier episode than uh, than my my general riffraff. Uh, last episode we got into some period pretty serious topics too, but we we definitely touch on some serious territory in this one. Uh, I, sexual assault is uh, discussed at one point. Um, we rehash a little bit of cuties, uh, just for like literally like five minutes, nothing long. But uh, yeah, it's just I guess. If, if anybody's worried about it then then there there is some graphic content in this episode but i mean the episodes are marked as explicit on every single streaming platform that i put them out on so uh, i mean and if you didn't get the vibe that we were going in that direction from this intro where i talk about heads being sewn off or sorry ripped off and sewn back off, like you i don't know like you just read the room read the room but yeah so anyway here's here's the show i'm i'm, I'm glad to bring it to you ha- happy halloween yeah there you go all right welcome back i hope you enjoyed the weekend we'll we'll see how it goes but hell yeah but yeah i I hit recording so we're doing it we're doing it it's official we're doing it we're doing it all right so uh so i'm i'm kyle (laughs) i'm brianna and this is not film school that's what they tell me um hi how's it going you know i am fucking doing it you guys we're doing it today having a great day i voted i did a lot of things today yeah cool hell yeah Yeah, i didn't didn't do it with the snow and stuff Do, do, do you have snow where you are yeah, I just I was like, I'm not cleaning off my car. Luckily, I live like very close to where the early voting was. So I could just walk there and avoid all responsibility of cleaning my car. <laughs> well, that's nice because then you get to walk in the snow and shit. Like, that's the the best part of snow, honestly. It's yeah, like the it's, only good part. it's just like it's just like slushy shit. It's not like, yeah, it's not bad. I'm not too worried about it. Word. Yeah. Yeah. I just like watching it like pile outside of the window, but I, I hate the feeling when you don't shovel your driveway like incrementally. Mm. Like if you do like like halfway through the day, you shovel and then you shovel at the end of the day. It's so much easier than like just waiting for it all to fall down. But you so want to just ignore the shit out of it until the next day. But that's it's always a bad. Oh, choice. yeah. I mean, I live in an apartment thing and they're like they usually have someone come and plow, but it's so light or whatever. It, like most of it's already melting. Like I'm looking outside. It's like not even really sticking. So, yeah, hate snow, but whatever. Maybe you'll be gone by fucking Halloween tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Like it's going to be gone. So no big deal. God, I hope so. But it's not like it even matters. Nobody's fucking trick or treating anyway. That's what... Seriously. So. It's all fucked. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so what? What do we watch? Uh, Books of Blood. Cool. And yeah. uh, we're we're both me and Brianna are both uh, pretty big Clive Barker fans, specifically of for me at least for Books of Blood. Oh yeah, uh, me too. Favorite favorite book probably ever. It's so good. Wow. Uh, yeah, Frank Frankenstein for me, but still, this is a th- this is a book that I took like a really long time to finish, like over like two years. Because really, yeah, because well, it's all anthology stuff. I haven't read the second um, volume or whatever. So really, I read all three. I got a thing where it was like all three volumes. Oh shit, maybe all six. I don't know. It was like a really big one, and um. I just I took it to the gym and I would read it while cycling or whatever. <laughs> so, 
kept me going. I couldn't do that. Yeah, it's cycling and reading. That's oh yeah, like I, I would just like prop it up or whatever because I would do like the bikes where you're like pretty much like leaning back anyway, and you're like really just moving your legs and like gotcha. yeah, you just hike that resistance up real hard so you're actually like doing something. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I would just read and like I would do it for like an hour or so. Like my legs were fucking killing me, but that book rules. I didn't even notice word yeah yeah I, I don't know it's his his type of horror is like really uh it's a combination of like psychological but like also nihilistic yeah i was gonna say i was like it's very like and it's just like straight up gore sometimes like he's just like we're just gonna be gross for no fucking reason and there is no happy ending fuck what you heard like he doesn't give <laughs> a fuck and it's so dope because like that's like the most realistic horror to me. It's like, yeah, there's not going to be some peaceful resolution. It's going to be bad shit happened. And it's not fair that it ended this way. But like, that's life, bitch. <laughs> I think one of the weirdest things, though, is that when reading a story is like, not even the protagonists are really great people. Yeah, so you're not I really. Like too. Yeah, you're not really rooting for anybody. It's it's clear that he like his outlook on society, at least while he was writing this shit, because like as of recently, especially there's an introduction in recent volumes of uh, the Books of Blood volumes. Uh, sorry, books like one through three or whatever volumes yeah. one through three. Uh, and in his introduction, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just not a spooky dude anymore. I just don't do it." Like like he doesn't do like a lot of Halloween conventions and stuff. And he produced like he was an executive producer on this film, but he didn't like make it or anything. Right. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure right producer, like, all I have to do is just give money. And it's like, you're a producer now, so, <laughs> yeah. He had he had a little bit of creative influence, though, according to the fucking guy that did this one, whatever his name is. Yeah, I it's mean, when I watched it, like, I don't know, it wasn't as... I felt like they could have did more. I don't know, it could have been more gory. Like, I feel like even, like, Hellraiser and them were more, like gory and like just like more vivid i guess in in your face yeah yeah well what i was i mean halfway through the movie uh when you had uh what's his name Uh, book of blood screw the psychologist lady um i i was like i was watching it coming on i was like oh yeah they're gonna screw they're gonna screw and then they did and then i I had a revelation i was like wait a second why have more people not been fucking like this (laughs) entire movie You've got three stories that are supposedly like related to Clive Barker and there is markedly less sex than there should be and and dying like pretty much no dying. I know I'm trying to remember like if like when I think of Clive Barker I don't really think of like sex so much but like I definitely like there's a lot more well there is there's one literally called sex death and starshine so there's probably sex in that one but like I like that he's not like over the top with it like I don't like I don't know like I don't know, like I like Game of Thrones and I feel like there's like almost too much gratuitous fucking in that. It's like I don't need that for it to be a good story. Like, but like when it comes to like the visuals and stuff, when I think of Clive Barker's work, I think of like just how fucking like wild and like crazy like the monsters are and like the shit that happens to the people are and it just it was really tame, I feel like. Especially with like all the technology and shit that we have. It's like Yeah. Yeah, yeah like I don't know, like the scene in Books of Blood when he like actually becomes the book of blood i was like that was pretty dope but i just wish there was more of that throughout the movie but i i kind of understand why they wouldn't too because like after a while you do get desensitized to it Mm. but like yeah i don't know it just it just didn't do it for me i guess i just i don't know if you're gonna be bloody and you're gonna be wild and crazy and like dark and shit it's like do it like do it or don't 
it's weird because they kind of went for like like a more tame clap barker which honestly compared to all of his other movies this is uh definitely more tame than those and like it's for the purpose of taste which by like like by like the third story when the third story started i was like i don't know about this film it kind of i don't really love it but Hmm. after i got to like the very end like with the girl going back and stuff i was like oh oh shit okay so it's all tied in in a specific kind of way but like i got irked after uh the first story ended and then the girl just kind of jumped off a cliff or not jumped off a cliff but yeah she just like fell off i was just like oh all right and like it was just kind of like messy because it's like all right you know that like she's not like it doesn't end there or whatever it was just like and one of the ones i think it was the one right after that it was just like really short like it almost felt like rushed like the pacing of the movie was really weird like i thought they spent way too much time on that first girl story oh, where yeah. it's like an hour like, yeah i was like is this like the whole movie and then like i was like and then like when her story ended pretty much i was just like wait oh we're doing multiple stories like i didn't even like realize it till hers ended and then i was just like oh like well i looked at how much time was left in the movie and i was like how the fuck and then i was like all right cool like it's definitely cool that they tied them all in together but the pacing was really bad it's like they could have just they might as well have just made like a mini series of like three like like do it like that, like each story be its own episode or something. But I don't know. I just didn't like it. They just spent way too much fucking time on the first story. And then everything after that felt really rushed. And I wanted to see more. And there was it wasn't there. It was it was like decent writing though when they tied it all together. I was like, oh that's cool. Like at the end when you see like the little like clips of how it tied in and stuff. I was like, oh all right, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they uh they said um what's his name? Brandon, I think is his name. Brandon Braga. Mm. and adam simon or simone whatever yeah simon, uh, whatever. they they wrote this shit but um barker was talking about how this is like an anti-anthology or something uh in any anthology series there's always the one uh the one story that's head and shoulders above the others uh and then there's always one which com- which is completely not but mm. the trick to Bran- uh, to Brandon, or sorry, the pr- trick that ha- that Brandon had up his sleeve was to interweave the stories in a way that made them all single story. Um, uh, that made them all one single story. Uh, yeah, he and then he did that. Well, I, I mean, it's a little weird because when you dig through it too, um, they talk about how like this anti anthology thing is like so original and stuff. But funny enough, the the episode before I did this. Uh, was trick or treat, which is literally like an, like the same thing. Anti yeah, like that's straight up. Like yeah, like I actually I watched Trick or Treat too recently. Like I love that movie, and like because it is like it is an anthology that ties together. Like I don't get why they call it anti anthology because it is like separate stories like it's presented in a way where it's like all right this is like a new plot like and then at the end they show you how it's all together i guess but like i don't know to me it still reads as separate stories so like it's just weird they call it anti-anthology when it's literally just anthology but with like a tie together like yeah i don't know i think the stories in trick-or-treat are stronger though because um they do individually work as stories and on top of that none of them are act really any longer than the others they're all the same the pacing is so much better because it's like it's like all right cool like you kind of like get like a feel for how long each little snippet is gonna last or whatever and like 
yeah, it's nice. They don't really give any one storyline any more attention than the other ones. And I also like that, like, they reuse characters, too. Like, um, I forget his name, but, like, the dad who, like, kills the fat kid in the beginning. Like, he ends up being in, like, the werewolf story at the end. And it's, like, this one, it's, like, the characters in Books of Blood, they barely have overlap like that. Like, they yeah. do, but not enough. And it's, it's just, superficial. like... Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, like, this person, like, the guy who's looking for the Book of Blood, which obviously is, like, a character in itself, but it's like, he ties in with the girl because he's the car that almost hits her, and it's like... And that's it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, that's it, that's it. Literally a fucking half a second long situation, and it's like, oh, like, yeah, I guess, like, it's kind of cool, but, like, Trick or Treat is way better at what they were trying to do, if that's what they were trying to do absolutely i agree yeah i i had never seen trick-or-treat before uh, before like last week really and yeah i didn't know i thought it was gonna be like lower quality than it was but then i watched it i was like holy fuck this is amazing yeah i mean the cgi on sam or whatever at the end is a little cheesy but i forget what year that movie came out but i was like this was probably wicked decent for like the year it was 2007 yeah, that's pretty on par. I was like, mm, okay. Like, yeah. it did, it wasn't, like, scary. It was kind of, like, comical, like, how goofy he looked. Like, I wish they would have just kept the mask on and just, like, not shown what's underneath. I feel like that probably would have hit different than what it was. But, you know, I don't know. I still like it a lot. And, like, if you're going to compare the two stories, it, Trick or Treat, way better. Yeah, I thought it held up. But, um... Yeah. Yeah. Which is upsetting because Clive Barker, when it comes to horror, like, like if you wrote down the stories of what happened, like, Clive's are way fucking better. Like, I don't want to be one of those, the book's better than the movie, but, like, the book is by far better than the movie. 100%. So it's like, so it's like the fact that, like, yeah, they had that to start with, and it's like you're still being outdone by Trick or Treat, which is, like, way less gory, a lot, like... It's like, how? How dare you do Clive like this? <laughs> like, yeah, it's de- definitely like the passion behind the project and stuff. I don't want to say that the Brandon or whatever wasn't wasn't passionate, but I do think that after you watch a film like this, and especially when you know you and me, who are both fans of Clive Barker, you'd figure we'd have something to relate to if this guy spent years on this movie working with Clive Barker. Mm-hmm. We'd see that, but we didn't have anything to relate to as fans. Like there was some stuff that I thought was cool um another weird part is that uh jenna's story the first story is completely not canon barker so it yeah, was just yeah, written like, for i don't the movie. remember that story in the books of blood like i remember the book of blood one and honestly like that's really the only one yeah like, on jerusalem street is the other story that they sourced from which is like technically the books of blood like the anthology series the written book series starts with uh, book of blood to explain why you're reading these stories or where these stories are coming from and then on jerusalem on jerusalem street is like the last story in the entire yeah i was reading set. that it's like uh yeah i don't even think i read those ones i think i only have books one through three uh the thing that i have because i didn't honestly recognize any of the stories except for the book of blood and yeah. it made me sad because volume one like I mean, I know, like, Midnight Meat Train, they made that into its own movie, which is dope. But, uh, yeah, it just sucks, because, like, I feel like there's way better stories than the ones that they picked. Like, I don't know, visually, like, my favorite story is from Volume 1, the In the Hills, the Cities. Like, that would have mm-hmm. been so dope. And, like, with, like, all the technology and shit that we have, that would be such a good, like, 
thing to make into a visual, but they just didn't. They went with all these like basic ass stories. Like, I don't know. Maybe I just I just want more from it. Like, not that like the ones that they did were bad. I just feel like since I actually read the book, I know that there's better. That yeah. would like to have- they they start you off with the the weird like it cut at a weird time too but like the introduction was kind of odd it seemed like made for tv oh yeah uh, it's super red it's like low budget like not like like they're like trying to be like pg-13 a little bit like obviously the movie's not but i was just like Ugh. it just it felt tame the whole thing felt yeah. super watered down and like yeah. when i think clive barker i think like in your face yeah like crazy shit's about to happen like like he's like he clearly like with his like outlook on society and stuff and how he portrays like character motivations and and stuff um like when i think of like hell hellraiser the the series like everybody like pretty (laughs) out for themselves you know and um i mean that's probably where the uh psychosexual like ideologies i have on clive barker there's a few stories in uh books of blood too that kind of give me that feeling but um yeah, they they start off this movie saying, uh, in yeah, in 1984, the books of blood were published. Uh, they were they shocked and frightened millions of people around the world. Uh, this film dares to open those pages again, but not really because you literally only did the beginning and end stories, which have the least to do with any of the shit in the middle, and then you did your own fucking story that had nothing to do with the book. I yeah. will say that like it did have like if you get to the very end of the movie. If you can wait that fucking long, because I like Clive Barker, so I'm going to wait for it. Right. But like mm-hmm. the average person, like this horror movie is moving at like a snail's pace. So fuck this. Why do I want to sit here and watch this? So like waiting so long for that payoff, I think was a bad move, too. But I do think that that first story did have some good Clive Barker elements, especially at the end. Do you remember my favorite story from Clive Barker was uh, Jacqueline S. The Will and Testament jacqueline s um i think i read that one yeah yeah it's in volume two uh oh yeah i remember that one yeah that one the best thing i remember from that story is like she's like 40 ish years old uh she gets telekinetic power somehow i can't remember how but she literally turns a man into a briefcase (laughs) yeah i remember that like the visuals i got were so fucking like vivid in my head that i'm like actually like remembering like what i like was like seeing i guess when i was reading it and it was so good that was one of my favorite ones too because i like that she like she eventually instead of it goes in like a funny direction which actually yeah i can see now all the sexual overtones i don't know why in my head it just like glossed over it like no he's not but like she eventually becomes a prostitute and then she uses her like crazy like body bending powers to give them like the ultimate sexual experience or whatever and like literally like kills them with it which is just like so just so sick and like it's just so cool to think about like i don't know that's a great story though big fan yeah, of the, the, the undertones because clive barker with like all of his angry shit yeah uh, i do like how he does with some stories i can't, I can't say all of them I, yeah. I need to reread and like turn on my fucking literary classes or whatever yeah. but um some of his stories actually do have like like something to say um mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say symbolism. It's not necessarily that, but it is commentary in a way. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, like this story, when I first read it, really bugged the shit out of me because of the motivations and stuff. And so you you have the 40 year old lady, she gets psychic powers. Then she starts um, wondering, like, how she can use these powers to, like, dominate the world. 
and or some shit like that. Yeah. So she goes to like the most powerful businessman she can and she starts sleeping with them to get like information on how to like control people and things. Uh, and then when that doesn't work out, she turns him into a, a meat case <laughs> brief, like a, I just remember it say like the his the rib cage came up as like the size of the briefcase. I don't know. It was fucked. Yeah, she like folds them. Pretty much, she just like folded them into like a weird little like thing. Yeah, it's cool because she wasn't she, she wasn't happy with them. So yeah, <laughs> I thought that was that was that was cool and nuts, but cool. Um, but then uh, there's this detective that's supposedly like obsessed with her the entire time, and they like went on like one date or something one time, and he really liked her. But yeah, he, he tracked her, her down and like he just like tracks her down and i don't know if that is yeah it is it's the guy who eventually like fucks her or whatever like he so she like loses control of like her powers and she has to be watched while she sleeps because like i remember like when she sleeps like her body will start moving and stuff like she's unconsciously like doing what she does to others to herself and eventually the dude bangs her or whatever and they both die like she's like i am going to kill myself right now and it's like a murder suicide where they both die while fucking but they want to and that yeah, that's the want. weird part so so like i read that story it fucked with me i was like why why did they it, it was it was a weird way to portray like like they wanted each other so bad like that that they would like to die into it and yeah it was just like a it's something that really freaked me out um, and then like a couple of years after that, or I think like a year after that or something, um, I saw like a documentary on like contemporary Gothic culture, like, like German dudes who listen to industrial music. Um, Christ guy, that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, there was this whole obsession with like, like, like ultra nihilism in a way that like, and like, I, I don't know, hedonism for a certain end. So, so I, I, I can't remember what the phrase was. It was like really, it made perfect sense to me at the time, but I, I'll call it like nihilistic romanticism, mm. um, which are two words that, you know, are at ends. So it's weird that they're in the same situation, but I think that this story really like her hearing the phrase nihilistic romanticism and then thinking of the story, I immediately was like, Oh shit, that's what he was going for. And it, it is kind of weird. Cause like, like from a romantic perspective if you're taking like two people and they want to be together so much that they like they just like like you know themselves together yeah they're like i don't like it i don't <laughs> but i can respect that there is a weirdly romantic i just like that it's full circle because she starts out by trying to kill herself because she's so bored with her life and then she gets something that's obviously like objectively or subjectively like not boring like that's pretty crazy but it's like even that it's just like meh all right let's die together anyway where it's just like it doesn't even like matter like she just killed herself anyway and like it's just i don't know it's crazy yeah that that story spoke to me but like what yeah when i say a story like that that sounds like a pretty weird fucking story to people who probably haven't read the books but um that's the kind of shit like that's the bar you know mm-hmm. that, that clive barker has when you say shit like like this film dares to open those pages again i fucking want to see shit like that like that's what i need yeah and then of like, course uh with the what do you what was it on the the hills 
Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, in the hills, the cities. It's the one where in an isolated uh, rural area of like Yugoslavia, which already gives me like visuals of like dark forests and shit, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two cities. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've only ever read it, but it's like Popolok and Pudujevo. Pudujevo. I don't know. There's a lot of J's and P's, but <laughs> uh, they. Um, the people of these cities, they come together by, like, binding themselves with, like, ropes and just, like, holding on to each other. And they build two giant, like, bodies. Like, almost 40,000 people walk as the body of a single giant. And they're, like, as tall as a skyscraper. And just, like, imagining, like, that amount of, like, flesh and just like ropes like it's just like it's just gross like it's gross to think about where it's like you like lose the fact that it's like it's just so big and so vast that it's like it's just like crazy because like imagine like the people like on the bottom just being like mashed into a fucking goo because like all that weight or whatever and which i think he he says that oh yeah he part of the description yeah, he like really gets brutal. into it like it's brutal it's like they're and like they just keep going so it's like it's just dead bodies and like fresh blood and just like a lot of like flesh tones and like red is like in my head when i use it and it's just really fucking gross and uh this like ritual or whatever i'm pretty sure they were supposed to fight the i'm reading the synopsis just so i have it in front of me but i'm fairly certain the point of them doing this is that they're supposed to fight like two giant like fleshy rock'em sock'em robots which is fucking hilarious and disgusting and dope and it occurs every 10 years but uh this time something goes wrong and the podu havo giant like collapses and it kills tens of thousands of citizens like instantly because it's just like all that weight and like they're just they're held together by ropes and shit which is just crazy and so in shock the other city popolak goes mad and becomes the giant that they're strapped into like they they just lose their fucking minds like collectively and like the idea of like hive mind things like that and like uh like herd mentality and stuff like that freaks me out a little bit like it's just like or not like freaks me out but like it just really i don't know it does something to me and mm-hmm. it's really like ah <laughs> like that is ah, that is scary and so then the other one the one that like goes crazy so the other one it's just like a mound of humans just dead and like dying and just like that's fucking crazy like imagine like coming to in that fucking situation and the other one just leaves and wanders like the hills aimlessly like they're just walking around and um yeah they don't they don't tell you any of this beforehand too like dramatically speaking they're just there's two characters are hanging out driving across country in europe and then they walk over a hill and then there's just a bunch of fucking yeah, yeah like bodies like guts and stuff it's just like two gay dudes who are vacationing in the area and they're like let's go in the woods and they do and they happen upon uh when they they find this whole situation after the other one has fallen and is like dead so they're just like what the fuck because like they don't realize it's like a giant they just see like a lot of bodies strapped together which is like visually stunning so Mm -hmm. like but they um so yeah, so they come upon the smashed bodies and uh smashed bodies together. It's just like ew. <laughs> like it's just uh smashed together. Yeah, ugh. just like ugh, mashed into a paste, like yucky. And then ropes and fucking ugh. And yeah. Shit. Ugh. 
Yeah, and like they figure it out because like a local man tries to steal their car to catch up with the other one, and like by nightfall, like the people in the giant like who make it up like die of exhaustion. Like they literally are just so tired, but the giant like keeps moving. Like it has taken on like a mind of its own, despite the fact that it's like a collective mind of like forty thousand people, and it's just like this gross. Like just imagine like the dead bodies, like that limp, like moving as it like walks or whatever. It's just yeah. crazy. he says he says uh, during the description of like the monster moving or whatever, the giant moving, um, that there are most certainly dead bodies, people who have died in the middle of of moving around, and they're still in there. They're just dead, and then they're part of like the the, the motion, but like. Uh, the society keeps moving as yeah. it yeah. like keeps them going even though most of them are just like dead and like there's yeah, not <laughs> yeah it's just corpses everywhere and so like they try to hide they seek shelter in like a little farmhouse and but the um the big giant that's walking around like hits the farmhouse because it's so big and it kills one of the gay dudes accidentally and so the um the other gay dude and the people who either the one that was like with them or the people who own the farmhouse they like they're so afraid that they just go crazy and the other gay dude whose boyfriend was just killed he wants to join the giant and he climbs up the fucking ropes and dead bodies and it's just like i'm part of this now and it's the giant just carries this dude away and they just like leave <laughs> and it's just like all right bye like there's really no resolution just like ah like i hate that yeah that might be somewhere but the the two things for that story specifically that um they're like fucked with me when i read it yeah um something he does sometimes like most of the time his protagonists are like you know give give or take like you you could watch him die it's fine but in this story in this story they seem like genuinely like okay people you know like i actually kind of like them and uh and you have like you start rooting for the characters. Uh, and here's something that was that I commented on the film where I like I wrote a note like ah this the the point of the books of blood like the the story is like all of the stories of the books of blood were carved into the one guy because uh ghosts wrote those story. So if you're if you have a protagonist in a Clive Barker story from the books of blood th- they are going to die. That is the rule because otherwise they wouldn't have written the story but like people like i feel like like that's a good point i never even like really like thought of that it's just kind of like he gets you like so into it that i don't even like think about that point it's like oh yeah you like only get your story told if it's on like this book of blood which is written by ghosts and shit it's like oh yeah everybody's gonna die he like kind of buries the lead in a way that you don't even realize he's doing it because like when i was reading it i was like "Ooh, i wonder how this is gonna end and not once did I think like, "Ooh, how are they going to die?" I just like he, he tricks you over and over yeah. again, and it astounds me every time I read one oh, of those God. stories. Yeah, because yeah, the rule is they're going to die. That's the rule. And then every single time I read one of his short stories, I can't, I forget that rule again. And then the yeah, person but dies, why do I keep forgetting it? Like, why don't I know this by now? He's fucking. Maybe that's just because I'm dumb. Maybe we're just dumb. But like, <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, he's not so how good, good of a writer he is yeah fantastic like either we're super stupid or he is the greatest writer ever i'm gonna go with greatest writer he's up there but uh the the second thing that fucked fucked with me on that story was um yeah the same thing with the hive mind where where 
his lover just got killed like in front of him just like smashed Smushed. on yeah, just, <laughs> and all of his priorities go out the window and he's just like i uh, like he completely loses his autonomy yeah and his his personality he's like fuck whatever i am i this is oh god yeah so there's a a philosophical phrase um fuck sublime the sublime mm. that's it's literally like a concept if you look up like what is the sublime it's not just a band with pot <laughs> and shit it's yeah it's a literal philosophical uh phrase so for things it's like when you're uh shipwrecks and then you're stuck on a life raft and you're floating in the middle of the ocean and you realize that you have absolutely no bearing on whether or not you're going to live or die it's another example i've heard is like if you're hiking in the mountains uh and then snow starts to fall down and then you get to a point where you can't walk anymore you have to stop where you are and try to find shelter to be safe or like build a build a fire and stuff uh because you know that if you keep walking you're gonna die and at that point it's up to the storm whether or not it wants to freeze you out or you know fucking you know do whatever so pretty much just like massive things that we definitely don't have any control over but we thought that we had this autonomy that we don't and i think that this story is an attempt to personify that emotion because yeah i mean the the guy who just watched his lover get fucking squashed by this giant made of people like it's an event that is so astronomically unbelievable that he feels more important he feels that it's more important to get on it and be a part of it than to miss the opportunity to be a like part of something so quote excellent which which yeah bugs the shit out of me (laughs) this is probably a silly reference and feel free to cut this out if you don't know what i'm talking about but have you ever played the game katamari no katamari is that what the 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 ball that you roll yeah i've never played it but i know what it is dog it reminds me this whole story reminds me of that game because it's so creepy like it's obviously it's a very colorful game it's very like geared towards children it's not like rated r it's not horror it's just a weird japanese game and the whole point of the game is you have a ball called a called a katamari and you gotta roll shit up and eventually you roll people up into it and it's like they're stuck there like it sticks to the ball it's just like a weird cosmic like magnet and you make planets out of it like you literally everything you roll up it turns into a star or it turns into a planet and that's how planets are made and like you'd think like when you roll over the people they scream but then when you (laughs) read like the definitions and stuff or like quotes from the people they're like I want to be rolled up. I love this. And it is so creepy. Like, I don't know if it's like something I'm just not getting where it's like, oh, like, cause it's like a cosmic king and like you play as the prince, his son, and you're supposed to roll it up and make the planets cause something got fucked up in space or something. And that's like the point of the game. And I don't know if it's like, it's like tongue in cheek where it's like the king is saying that these people said that because like they do scream when you roll them up maybe it's like they don't want to but we're gonna say they did which is like a weird propaganda aspect and also very cool and maybe i'm thinking way too deep about a weird ass japanese video game from like 2002 but the point is it reminds me of that because it's like you're just this giant entity and like you just become part of it and you're like no this is cool like this is fine now like it's just like you're so out of control that they just like they're like nah i know i was just upset but actually 
I'm going to be a planet now, or I'm going to be part of this giant now where it's just like, people just like accept their fate and like outside looking in, you're like, that's fucking crazy. But like, unless you've ever been in a situation where you're just like taken over or like something is just so out of your control, it's like actually not that crazy. (laughs) Like, it's just like, ah, it creeps me out something like that could happen to me obviously not a giant or like a katamari ball but like you're saying like being in the woods and stuff it's like the fear of being in a situation where i might do something so fucking batshit because i'm just that like adrenalized or whatever it's like ah <laughs> it really uh i don't know maybe it's because i have ptsd and i very like my fucking fighter flight is very like ah but it's like that story just scared the shit out of me i was like oh because like like I said, PTSD, I kind of feel it. Obviously, not to, like, that degree, but, like, I don't know. It tapped into my soul, okay? That shit scared yeah. the fuck out of me. Well, the weirder part is, because you've got the sublime, the feeling of a sublime, where you see something so uh, incredible, and then you realize that yeah. you're you're beholden to whatever the fuck's going to happen. You don't have any control. Um, yeah. And, like, that is uh, uh, an element of the story, but I think that it hurts that much more because the character doesn't accept the situation and then look at it like okay this is like the the situation i'm exposed to they actively want to join it so it, like if we're going to use the mountains and the snow trap and like you know mm-hmm. is, is the mountain going to freeze me out oh um the person we presume never wants to get frozen out and they don't want to die they don't want be they don't want to become a part of the landscape they hope to live but in this story it's as if somebody trapped in a snowstorm just lays down in the snow and goes like i like this landscape i want to be a part of here now like (laughs) i am here we are and like it is like that is terrifying because like you said like that is like these are real life emotions and stuff these are obviously like super extreme but like i don't know it like taps into that little animal part of my brain and i'm like ah (laughs) i don't want to be in the woods (laughs) like someone's gonna squish me or i'll turn into a rock (laughs) <laughs> yeah the, the, i mean the thing that gives me faith too about clive barker actually like having like eliciting this feeling for a purpose uh mm-hmm. he's now more of like a painter he does more like painting and like other you know kind of arts and stuff and mm-hmm. the sublime was originally really they tried hard to portray the sublime not only with storytelling but with paintings and stuff and they'd paint like massive grotesque landscapes of like just scary like winter settings and stuff to 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 try to evoke that feeling um yeah, I, th- I feel like he probably had some kind of influence from philosophy when he was writing this story, as mm-hmm. for a few of these. Again, there's yeah. some oddball stories where he just, <laughs> he goes wicked gross and like wicked. Yeah, he's just farting around, but like, those are fun too. Yeah, yeah. And painful. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much fun. I, 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 Yeah, the weird thing is when I'm reading the stories, like, I'm definitely engaged. I read them, you know, beginning and end. But in in retrospect, like, like they hurt my feelings while I'm reading them, and then I finish them, and I have a moment of silence afterwards where I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Like, what, what did I just read? And then after that, like, now that I've, it's been like a little bit of time, like, I actually like loved those stories. Which, mm-hmm. like, but for instance, the 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 will and testament of Jacqueline S. First time I read that, I was like, I that was a story that I I had to put the book down for like six months. I was like, this is so abysmal and of course i wasn't like in the best headspace when i read it and stuff so it was just kind of additive but it was nihilistic to a degree where 
Yeah, I just had to put the book down. And uh, and now, I mean, here we are a few years later, and I remember that story uh, being awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I actually really respect that story, and I respect that it went so dark because you don't really ever see things go that dark. It's kind of like, uh, I, I hate to say the word courageous, but... Uh, but it's no, courageous. that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like reading... Uh, I'm on the Wikipedia with all the things and like so many of his things. I'm wondering if the book of blood that we watched just watched, if they didn't include some of these, because so many of them have already been made into movies. Like yeah, uh, Candyman just... is based on the forbidden in volume five. Yeah. You've got, uh, uh, I had wrote down the whole list. Where are you? Uh, the Forbidden, which is Candyman. Rawhead Rex, which I think deserves a better adaptation. Um, yeah, I, totally not I against Googled that. it. Yeah, I Googled the monster and I was like, that is nowhere near what I envisioned. Like when I think of like Rawhead Rex, I'm imagining like just like no neck, like a pile of like flesh. Like his head almost just looks like a nipple, like no eyes, but just like mouth and just like way more raw and gory. But whatever the fuck they did for that movie, just hokey garbage yeah. i imagine him bigger because like they, there's a, a couple of parts in that story where uh he fucking eats people whole like he just ah, yeah. bam, and fucking eats them yeah and yeah i mean it was i mean the movie was made like early 90s ladies or something like that uh, it was made in 1986 yeah so i mean you can only do so much with prosthetics and shit like and now what? we have cgi Still, even like i'll say this right now i'm not even like like if you can do something with practical effects i feel like you should try i am a big fan of like like yeah we have like technology to do like whatever but like that technology also spans to like what we can do for practical effects like this raw head rex that they have it's like you couldn't have spent like a little bit more time like carving it out like they could have tried more like look at the nose the nostril doesn't even like go all the way in like i think this is just like probably like a budgeting issue or whatever but it's just like yeah like it's just not even like what i imagine in my head like it just doesn't look like a raw head monster it just looks like a gorilla that's like that's that's the kind of shit that like i think of when i hear like oh we're gonna do an adaptation of you know books of blood and we're we're daring to open these pages again i go like oh fuck yeah we can see (laughs) raw head rex but good this time yeah and that shit excites me and then like yeah i mean we're living in a literal culture of reusing shit and if like if you get to reuse 21 jump street i feel like you could maybe i don't know like do a contemporary version of (laughs) some clive barker shit please yeah it's like like they didn't go for the stories that are visually stunning because like like the one jacqueline s or whatever it's like it's a pretty simple story like you can describe the plot in like under 30 seconds but visually insane and like what i wanted was the visually crazy movies but they instead went for like the deeper ones i guess or like ones that were like not really like i don't know and they didn't. I don't, the whole thing was watered down. I mean, even like the first story with Jenny or whatever, the Jenna, one where, yeah. yeah, Jenna, and it's like, oh, we're in a house full of like these people. It's like one of the shots was literally, literally just like arms reaching out. It's like, cool. I get those at like fucking haunted houses, like in <laughs> real life. Like that is such a basic thing. It's like, if you're going to like tell a story and the big, like the gore reveal, like the big, like horror aspect is that you're in a house that's like, um, insulated with like people 
that you've like incapacitated or whatever, like go full balls to the wall with it. I mean, look at like Saw or even like, I mean, Human Centipede even. Maybe it's because I like movies like Human Centipede and shit like that where I'm just like. Yeah, you've got problems. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like desensitized. I'm like, no, I want to see cracking bones. I want to see mushed things like fucking do it if you're going to do it. So maybe that's just my own issue is that like I have set the bar so disgusting that I can't even enjoy these movies now. Maybe to, that's it. To validate you, though, the reviews of this movie are shit. They're yeah, terrible. It's a bad. So movie. you're definitely not alone in that in that thought. Thank you. And yeah, what like I keep thinking like like when I was watching the movie and like when I had just finished it, I was like, well, this is a good movie to set people up for the books of blood to like introduce you to reading the books or to get you interested in reading the books. But what sucks is that it's not even good enough to really set you up properly for what to expect from the books of blood. Yeah. Like I feel like, yeah, I was going to say like, I don't even think it does that. It's like, you're going to watch this and be like, eh, these stories probably suck, but it's just like, it didn't do it justice at all in any aspect ever yeah. and it made me fucking sad because these like straight up, like this is like my favorite book ever. Like it's, dope and like i get that you can like only do so much with movies and stuff but it's like look if you can't fucking capture like what his writing does it's like just don't do it at all just leave it alone just because like the book's so much freaking better and it's like yeah. ugh, it's like if you're gonna do it like i said if you're gonna do it do it like clive is like he is like gross and bloody i haven't seen hellraiser in forever i like I think the last time I honestly like watched it all the way through, I was like seven or something. So fucking 20 years ago, <laughs> I watched Hellraiser and uh, yeah, I was a cool, cool kid. A lot of people related. They were like Cinderella. And I was like, I want to be pinhead for Halloween. Thank you. <laughs> like, but uh, like, it was just so vivid. Like the uh, scene where I think they're like coming out of like a mattress or something on the floor. And he's all like, just like skin and blood and shit. Like, He's coming out of the floorboards. Floorboards. Yeah, I don't know why in He's my head it's literally, like dude, but. as far as like practical effects go, it's when I see shit like that. Like that movie yeah. is the OG painful horror. Like if I had seen that at 7 years old, I'd be uh, I'd be <laughs> uh, like Carrie fucked with me at seven years old. I couldn't do really? Hellraiser. Uh, yeah, um, okay, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he's like literally like a skeleton coming up from like a pile of goo in the floor and like it's just like disgusting and then like all the chains and like the blood and shit like yeah i mean looking back now it's like all right yeah like you can totally tell that it's like practical effects and it's like a little hokey but like ah uh, it's so good though like visually that's what i wanted i wanted like the guy with no skin like i wanted yeah. like all of that but instead i got fucking like high school haunt walk through with the fucking arms in the hallway and it's like yeah. ugh, it's, it's like when you uh buy a bag of crack and it turns out to just be weed it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is way slower and way more tame than i want like i want yeah. ass, motherfucker I you know black tar heroin and you <laughs> gave me a five milligram melatonin all right like, i, I want to go fast <laughs> i want it all right now <laughs> like yeah we're, we're on the turtle speed i want the fucking bunny you know yeah exactly i want yeah. i want double black diamond i do not want this bunny hill bullshit like yeah yeah, <laughs> he's a psychopath but i'm upset with hulu or whoever fucking made this movie i'm like how dare you it's only because like yeah they 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 
poked it like oh yeah oh, oh, we we dare to open the pages you don't dare to do shit you fucking <laughs> we dare to do it like dog fucking count chocula is scarier than this shit get out of my face <laughs> yeah but well, to, to uh to just give it a little bit of respect um with Jacqueline s and like that that ending and stuff um something i found akin to it like and how it did kind of pay a little bit of respect to clive's storytelling is that um her decision in the end uh to go back to the house like so okay so she goes to the house and then there's this nice couple and then they're like oh you ran away why why didn't you stay with us it's like kind of like a weird impromptu boarding house thing yeah. uh and they're like over nice um yeah and then she's kind of spending a few days there and she's like this is nice i think i am gonna stay and then she like knocks a wall and then all of a sudden there's a person with like their eyes stitched out and like their tongue cut out uh and they're like hooked up to like an iv drip and they're just tied to the wall and they're like oh and she's like oh my god and then she opens like another door and she's like oh my god there's people tied up and then there's this lady who's like yeah she's texting like uh through like this fuck boy's phone um <laughs> there are lots of fuckboys in this movie too. Yeah, like, like this shit they were saying. I didn't get that part either. Like maybe like I wasn't paying attention enough, but I was just like, wait, why is she like in love with this weird like Airbnb guest or something? <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like Yeah. Uh, but so she eventually finds out that they're um like capturing stray people and then snipping up their eyes and then shooting them full of uh pretty much natural painkillers um so that they just spend all of existence in like weird comfy pain tied to the walls of this house which is it's technically creepy and i don't know something about abduction like stories i just don't like them for exactly this purpose like like i just it's a little too real for Mm -hmm. me i've heard too many stories i know too much shit about the world Mm -hmm. uh where yeah i just i just abduction shit like kind of hits me the wrong way um but I feel like it's hokey like it's easy like i like yeah. the ending better and i do like that's kind of like a jacqueline s where it's like she's like gonna kill herself or whatever but then she decides to anyway and it's just kind of like a, ah, well what was the point of trying to get away you're just gonna do it anyway like whatever yeah. like well, that i like survives she survives she gets away and then she has complete autonomy to do whatever the fuck she wants but then she decides to go back to the people and not yeah not only to die but like conceivably something worse than dying which is literally being a vegetable tied to the wall trapped in darkness for forever that sounds worse than dying though because like they're in painkillers like we don't know what death is like i mean in clive barker's world we know that they're like tortured ghosts and whatnot but in this state she's not a ghost but she's also blissfully unaware because her ears are done her eyes are done like they pretty much put her in um a desense chamber thing or whatever it's like there's no sense there's no sensories and then they pump her full of drugs and shit and it's like is she better off dead or is this vegetative state of euphoria better? And I think I kind of like how they did make the point of like death actually isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. It's like there's a there is a lot more worse things than death that can happen to a person for sure. Yeah. To get real weird about it, though, um, there's the the second story in the anthology, which is um, the, the Book of Blood, respectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got the mom who's the psychologist and she wants desperately to believe that there is an afterlife so that she can know that her son is still somewhere because her son died of cancer. Um, And we find out from the end of that story that the son 
the son says like he writes on the walls like like we're we're not sleeping or something and she has this like before he dies she has this conversation with him and he goes like mom where do we go when we die and it's like good job you could have just said hi or something i don't know yeah, right <laughs> uh human interaction in writing um so yeah they have this conversation she goes like uh yeah you just go to sleep and he goes like i'm so tired mommy and then she sees notes written on the wall from presumably him um, saying, like, we're not sleeping, mommy. And then, of, of course, she's haunted uh, by him at the end of the the movie. So he's hanging out like he, he's like her familiar, for lack of a better word. He's yeah, just like she, the monkey like on her shoulder. Yeah, he's just there. No one else can see him, but she can. And like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so little kid that died of cancer ends up there. <laughs> That sounds pretty shitty. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I would much rather. I don't know. Like, would you rather be the cancer ghost, or would you rather be the girl who's just like in a floorboard chilling somewhere, who doesn't know that she's effectively dead to the world? You know, like, yeah, it's. I don't know. I think I'd rather the drugs or whatever. Where it's like, I don't know, because at least if you're a ghost, it's like, all right, yeah, I'm dead, but like he's like still hanging out with his mom so it's like is he really dead then i mean what is the point of like when someone dies why is it sad it's because we can't talk to them or hang out with them anymore so it's like well she's doing that so it's like i don't know maybe i'd yeah maybe i'd rather be the ghost it's like yeah well at least i could still like hang out and shit i guess like he didn't he didn't look too happy though (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know. know. The whole movie sucks. So you know what? It doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm thinking about if I was in this situation. (laughs) I'd probably, I don't know, rather be a ghost then. It's like, like, whatever one hurts the least. It's like, yeah, he looked upset to be dead, but he didn't look like he was in pain. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at either, like, like, that's why I'm saying, like, overall, the overarching theme of the movie or the overarching, like, gut feeling that the movie leaves you with is still inherently a little bit clive barker because yeah. he's like that... you should kill yourself <laughs> you should... he's like you should just be dead <laughs> i'm no, like yeah. you shouldn't kill yourself you should cut out your eyeballs cut out your tongue like stitch up your ears and then like just lay under floorboards on drugs like that's the, the good yeah outcome. become insulation become one like yeah Fuck yeah. But it also conflicts with that famous rule of the books of blood where if you're featured, you gotta fucking die, you know? Oh yeah, that's right. She's not really dead. She is still so what the shit. So yeah. how did her... this is horseshit. So you're thinking about way fucking deeper. I'm over here like I can <laughs> insulation. Like, like, oh yeah, is that actually green sustainable? Is that a good alternative to a fiberglass? Like I'm thinking about question. shit like that, and you're like Here's the writing, though. <laughs> That's like, like, I do wonder, like, there's the other movie, uh, The Haunting in Connecticut, where the entire house, the whole time, you know, you find out the end, it's it's stuffed, the walls are stuffed with dead bodies. I do wonder, like, how good of an insulator are corpses, you know? I can't imagine the, I mean, well, they're not dead, so they probably don't smell. And I mean, so like, yeah, I mean, body heat, that's just it's kind of like forced water heating i guess you got little <laughs> pipes full of 98.2 degree or whatever our normal temperature is supposed to be uh yeah, people are like 75 percent water guess it's water heating you know yeah, it's kind of like forced water heating like honestly 
This was just a, the whole point of the movie was that we need to go to greener solutions, everybody. We need <laughs> to have more economical and eco-friendly ways to home ourselves. And that is capturing the mentally unwell, scooping out their eyes, sewing their orifices shut, and putting them in a box in your home. My thing is, though, do they have catheters? Because, like... They got a pee pee and poo poo at some point. And they got to empty it. Do you think they have a communal bucket in the basement so that uh, they don't have to go to each individual person? Like, there's straws? I mean, urine is bad for growth, but poop, that's just fertilizer. How are they, how are they oh, doing this? That's how she's doing the gardening. That is how she's doing the gardening. She's got oh. human doodos up in that club. That is gross. Like, uh, it was just so obvious, too, that she was like a bad guy because it's like, you're too friendly and like that's just yeah. bad horror writing in general it's like anyone who's like wow they're really nice it's like no you are automatically suspect what the hell like yeah. i would have been more classic uh classic hansel and gretel tale man yeah you know? like, i would have been more shocked if she actually ended up being a good person or like if someone like yeah it's like man <laughs> and potentially more underwhelmed this might be too much of a stretch away from the original movie, but uh, have you heard of a movie called The Open House? I think it's I like... I have heard of it, but... It's, it's trash. It's so fucking bad. I'm angry about it. But uh, there is a character in that movie where she's like super, super... I have seen this. Yeah. Martha? Yeah. yeah is Martha. that one, like, there's the mother and the son, they move into a house? Yep. And then, yeah, Martha's just like... She has Alzheimer's, and I'm like, no, that bitch is crazy. But yeah, she genuinely just has Alzheimer's. She is just a weird old lady, and it's fucking hilarious because this whole time you're like, nah, this bitch, and it's like, no, this bitch is actually just an old lady with Alzheimer's. Like that was the only redeeming part of that whole movie because I laughed my ass off when he's like running away from the actual bad guy and he he thinks that like he's there because he hears footsteps, but really just Martha walking through the woods. She's fine. She's cool. Like I'm like, oh, maybe this guy is like her husband or something. And it's like, nope, genuinely just has Alzheimer's. I was like, he's just a complete stranger who just felt like killing these guys. I think that that's like that movie. I could go on. That could be a whole other podcast about how much I yeah. fucking hate that movie and how that bad sucks. it is. Cause like, even like the main actor, I guess he was in that Netflix show, 13 reasons why. And it's mm -hmm. like, so he like, he's, he's just a bad actor. I don't think he's that good. He like, we gave Kirsten Stewart how much shit for how many years for how stoic she is, but we're just gonna, no one's gonna talk about this kid. All right. Like, <laughs> no, this kid is trash. He was like, how are you gonna talk about your dead father and like still have no emotion? How are you gonna wish death on your mom and still have no emotion? It's just like, he is just, ah, oh, he's just so cold and not good. And it's like, uh, I don't know. That movie made me really sad and really upset, but the character and what we were talking about made me think of Martha and how fucking funny it was to me. So I will commend that. But yeah, yeah, just like, I don't know. I feel like Clive is way too clever of like a writer and like is just way too like above that for these hokey ass fucking like movie tropes where it's like, oh, the friendly person is actually the bad guy. Yeah. Like, meh. <laughs> like it just yeah, yeah other other uh consistency with clive barker in this film specifically um is that everybody sucked 
in general even the people that you thought that you might be rooting for like the girl i think at the at the end of the movie i made a note she tried Uh, she got her boyfriend to kill himself for no reason because they're trying to be like edgy fucking art kids and it's like oh she's actually a piece of shit like i'm glad you're dead it's like i would actually rather you have died instead of what you're dealing with now it's like it is kind of like a mind fuck there you go like back and forth but honestly even before i kind of figured like even from the very beginning i was like she made her boyfriend kill herself like it was very obvious to me but like oh yeah 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 yeah, but i was just like so i was never really rooting for her that hard because like yeah it's just like you're all insufferable and but like with clive like he does make stories where you're not necessarily rooting for any character you're just kind of like along for the ride and like what draws you in isn't your empathy and sympathy for the characters it's just like you just need to see how this shit's gonna fucking pan out but i didn't even get that with this like the characters were so unlikable that i was like i don't care what happens to them i don't care (laughs) like well like for like uh, like maybe like 45 minutes in for the jenna story uh i wrote down like i think that this might even be like a little too much character development going on for clive yeah because yeah his his character (laughs) i love the man i love his stories but his character development has never been like great he definitely has like a way that he sees society and he paints that onto his character's there's a lot of in, in itself is kind of how he sees it he's like yeah people aren't that i don't i like that he doesn't touch on like it's not about the character development like his stories are not about the character development it's about he uses the characters to get the overall point it's like you could replace them with literally anyone else it's like you're not really meant to like identify with the characters that much it's like you don't need to in order to get the point that he's getting across or to like be afraid of it or whatever it's like he doesn't use like the sympathy which like is basically how it's usually done which is why i like it because it's different because it's like yeah like how many books do you read where it's like i don't really care about the character i care about the story his is about the story like it's about like the settings and shit like that like there's just more to it so i'm glad like i don't know i like that there's minimal character development because it's like that's not why you read it like it's not about the characters which i think is dope and they didn't do that movie they use that tactic in writing um I can't remember the exact phrase for it, but it's like a, I mean, it's a blank slate character. It's yeah. what RPGs do. Like, I don't know if you've played Final Fantasy VII ever, but Cloud is nothing. <laughs> that is yeah. RPG. yeah, they just have, RPGs are a great example too, where it's just like a thing, like it's a character that can go through an entire story and they never say a single word. Like The Legend of Zelda, the Link doesn't say anything, but Our we all have this weird... We all love that guy. <laughs> but yeah, the, the characters like they're they're flat, but you're you're supposed to be seeing the world through their eyes and it helps you to do that when you don't have their character development in your fucking way. And that totally doesn't work for some written stories, but in this yeah. in this case, uh I think it also like he attempts to make you think things that you didn't think you could think with like the way he portrays things nihilistically. So you, somebody has like a thought or something uh and you go like oh i would never think that you know <laughs> like oh that's yeah. a thought. Yeah, like i like that it's like blank enough where you can also kind of like discern your own meanings from the stories and shit too like how you view the world actually changes like the entire story from like how someone else might read it which mm-hmm. is pretty dope too and uh 
I forgot the point I was trying to make with that, but <laughs> that is dope that he does that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's complex in its own kind yeah. of way. Where yeah, ca- character development just kind of gets in the fucking way. Or certain kinds of character development. I, no, he his characters are definitely the same person from the beginning of a story to the end of a story. Characters don't develop, they just are experiencing events. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like right around I don't know, like the 45 minute mark where she's outside talking to like the lady and she's like you can, the lady's like you can stay here anytime. And she says, "Yeah, hospitals only hurt people or some <laughs> shit like that. Hospitals make you sip a- sick and keep you sick." Uh, I was like, yeah, this is just, there's too much fake warmth here. He mm. wouldn't even turn up the warmth to that level. Yeah. Just, it was just too, yeah, it was, just, it didn't, yeah, the whole, she didn't bode well. I was like, no, you're very obviously being a creep. Like, this is not, like, I do get, like, the whole, like, hospitals or whatever like we'll like help you but like i get that they were trying to like portray her as like a hippie like oh i'm caring but like she was just too cold for it and it's just like i don't know i didn't feel like we could trust her enough for them to like do what they're trying to do it's like so when it came out that she was the bad guy i was like yeah of course she is (laughs) like yeah other classic trope that they did in this movie for the jenna part is uh uh lady character uh psychological like sorted past and then part of the like crazy part of the story is like is she crazy is she is she not crazy is this all an illusion and then oh surprise it's not actually an illusion she wasn't hallucinating because she's off her meds Ooh, and it's like oh wow that's real fucking original um but i did find the sleep paralysis uh bit like interesting because i've had sleep paralysis have you ever had sleep paralysis Oh yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, what's give me a sleep paralysis story? How how, how do yours go? Uh, weird, so I was with my ex at the time. We lived together in this apartment, and so he worked nights, and so like he like I would often like wake up to like him coming in or whatever. So like it's just like how it was. And one of my sleep paralysis was that I woke up, but like obviously couldn't move. And I didn't think too much about it because I saw him walking towards me. So I felt fine. But then the closer he got, his mouth opened really wide and like had like teeth or whatever. And like he like engulfed me in darkness. And it was really fucking scary. And it was just really bad. And I think I just like immediately just like blacked out or something. Like I was like, I'm just going to go back to fucking sleep. Like I'm just (laughs) like, I don't remember how it like ended, but like. Yeah, it, like, hurt my, like, heart. Like, the palpitations and shit. Like, it was very fucking scary. Because, like, at the same time, like, he wasn't there either. Like, he wasn't home until, like, the morning. It was, like, an overnight shift or something. So, it's, like, it was already, like, a kind of, like, oh, like, what are you doing here? Mixed with him turning into, like, a monster. And it was just, like, ah! (laughs) It It was very fucking scary. And, yeah, I haven't had sleep paralysis a lot. But that's definitely one that, like sticks in the yeah. old brain <laughs> like yeah one of my least not, not least worst my this one's not great but like one that comes to mind for me like related to that story um i was dating this person at the time and we were sleeping in the same bed they were sleeping like i was sleeping on my side and they were sleeping behind me and i knew that but like as i was sleeping i, I had like a and I, it's weird because they say sleep paralysis is only supposed to happen to you when you're sleeping uh supine or whatever which is you're staring at the ceiling your hands are at your sides kind of shit uh, but i have sleep paralysis 
yeah. yeah. Sleep paralysis for me sometimes happens when I'm on my side, which is unusual, but whatever. Um, so this person, like I'm, I like I wake up, whatever, uh, and then like this person walks in front of me, my my ex. They walk in front of me, uh, and they're like, hi, hi. like they're kind of waving, and it's in typical dream fashion. They're not really saying anything. They're just kind of standing there and like staring at you and like waving, and it's like an honored interaction. But I'm just like, oh, what are you doing? And then like I I can kind of feel on my back like the person my my actual person x behind me so i can feel yeah. them there and then i'm seeing this person here so i know that that's not the same person now i have yeah. like a whole history with sleep paralysis uh and i've had like a lot of instances and it gets to a point where it starts to kind of piss you off so i started saying like i know that you're not that person this doesn't freak me out this is like kind of like a cheap trick this is stupid yeah like a wiggle your big toe kind of like, yeah yeah but that sometimes makes it worse. Like sometimes you'll say that and then like you'll kind of wake up or whatever, but sometimes it gets worse from there. Uh, other mistake that I made was like, so like they started like acting freakier and like scarier and stuff and kind of like deforming because I could tell that the person was behind me and it was kind of like manipulating that or whatever. Uh, and so like, I eventually kind of shook myself out of it and woke up and then I just let myself go back to sleep. <laughs> Plot twist. You were dating Jacqueline S and they were just, yeah. <laughs> No, uh, do people talk in your dreams? You were saying like you were like, yeah, you know how people don't really talk, and I was like, no, people talk all the time in mine. Like no, I don't know they, they talk, but scenes. it's just an awkward interaction. It's never it, de- mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense chrono like not chronologically really? like logically. But yeah, to 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 finish that though, I I let myself drift back into back into sleep, but I was kind of laying on my back at that point, and uh, I woke up back in the, the sleep paralysis nightmare, and with my ex-girlfriend next to me and the person like they were now crawling on top of me on the bed Uh, and they started doing a head shake thing like super quick and it started kind of like morphing i don't know man it was like that's like yeah like that's like with like my ex or whatever like he was like walking towards me but then was just like over like ah and like the face was all like fucked up and deformed i was like ah (laughs) yeah and then yeah just like i just remember the mouth opening real wide like that was like the default like he was like i am going to swallow you whole and i was like ah so yeah 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 with this with this movie uh with her laying in the bed and having sleep paralysis i thought it was cool at first that all of these people that she was presumably trusting were the ones that were coming in to haunt her because um in my experience with sleep paralysis uh the demons so to speak yeah uh, are usually like people i i am friends with and am very comfortable with mm-hmm. that kind of come out more fucked up because it's like yeah 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 well i've got i've got theories on that like like why is it, it like why are they choosing people who are so important to you and so for me i thought it was cool that they used people that were supposedly like she was trusting and that were important to her to like amp up the sleep paralysis but then then there's the big sleep uh, sorry the big plot twist where it actually wasn't sleep paralysis she was just literally paralyzed and those were literally the people measuring her for like her coffin size or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. ah, that's like some like classic gaslighting where it's just like, oh, like that is creepy. And yeah, yeah, don't like it. And it's, it's I think that that was the only like well done part of of the whole like, is she crazy? Is this in her head? Is, it, is she really in danger? And mm. for me, that was a moment where I was like, no, this is just sleep paralysis because sleep paralysis is talked about enough nowadays where like yeah, i knew what it was and i've experienced it and i didn't even pick that up i was just like under the impression it's like oh 
it's just like a bad dream, like a typical bad dream scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't get like sleep paralysis. I just got like nightmare out of it. But gotcha. yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense now that you say it. Like, to be fair, I only watched the movie once. But I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I always, whenever I do one of these, I mean, for, for first off, I now have like 15 episodes of like me deep analyzing films. So I've got muscles for it. But um, yeah, I'll I'll literally pause a movie. I'll pause a movie and then write shit down like as I'm watching it. But I, I usually only ever watch movies one time through for yeah. this shit. But, but when you, yeah, pause every single minute. Like my mom, like I live with my mom and my sister and I, I watch some horror movies with my mom. And whenever I do a podcast movie, um, she's like, oh, what are you watching? And I'm like, no, because <laughs> because uh, I can't like watch with somebody else if I'm trying to like get deep get analyze the film. Yeah. And and really like it, it it's kind of shitty for the other person watching it. Unless like if like I actually with this podcast, I intended to have have it be like have a movie night with somebody. And then we talk about the movie after watching it and stuff, which is in the future. And it will be super fun and super cool. But, um, yeah, it's different when you're analyzing it with somebody. But if it was just my mom watching a movie along with me and then I keep pausing the movie to write shit down, it would, I imagine it would just not be a fun time for her, you know? So, yeah. 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 But I go deep with this shit. Hell yeah. You ever do, like, watch together? You can, like, watch movies together with people. Yeah, um... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. With the digital age that we're living in and stuff, it just doesn't feel exactly the same. And um, uh, yeah, when cool. I'm trying to when I'm trying to like pause stuff to take notes, it does because we're not pausing the same TV screen. Like they're they might keep no, going. It's, like, it's on the thing, and like both of you have pause and go things. Like you're watching the same thing. You're just like in your own house, but like you're watching like the same feed. Gotcha. So yeah, so it's like you kind of like. That's why they call it, like, Watch Together. I don't know. It's just, like, a cool website that I use sometimes. Uh, So, like, if you get something on, like, YouTube or even, like, Zoom or something, like, just, like, share screen, that's, like, another way. But, I don't know. Just an idea. <laughs> yeah. Is that I'm actually... Cool? The, one, of, uh, one of my favorite TV shows, or British comedy shows, is uh, The IT Crowd. Mm-hmm. And me and my friend, Joe Mobish, who I talk about on this podcast often because he's my best friend. Oh, um, yeah. We used to work at a Batteries Plus, and we were literally like the weekend crew. It was just me, Joe, and then there was our coworker, C-Jock, uh, who still works there. I still love him. But it was literally like Saturday would be me, Joe, and C-Jock, and then Sunday would just be me and Joe. And we, <laughs> we were like 19 years old, so we were always just dicking around. I used to have like a crazy Snapchat story, and I'd like jump around on the counters and shit. But uh, other things that we used to do is he would bring a laptop to work and we just watch like entire TV shows, like especially snow days. Like when it would snow, whenever it would snow, we would just sit there. We watched Frozen one time Jesus, <laughs> just for fun. But we watched pretty much the entirety of the IT crowd while working at a batteries plus. And like it was a phone fixing store and like a technology store. So it just worked like it just felt good. Yeah. But I was telling Joe that we should do a, a watch together of the IT crowd just because it's like it was like a similar time of year too so i don't know but yeah, i'll yeah. probably look into that watch together stuff yeah but, be cool. yeah for analyzing films i'm not sure so sure i'd love it just because oh yeah, yeah I, I pause too frequently you know yeah i used to do a movie like not like a podcast but it was like a little like internet show or whatever and like if you're not in control of the pausing like it does get like annoying when it's like why are you pausing here or like just like cut the shit it's like no yeah. pause there yeah no i can see where that would go awry 
Yeah. Everybody likes me more if they don't watch the movie with me. And then I do a whole lot of like backtracking. Like somebody will say some shit and I'll be like, oh, symbolism. And then I'll go like backpack like, like <laughs> 30 it. seconds. Yeah. And then like I'll I'll like have them say a sentence and I'll pause it and I'll write it down. And then I'll say a sentence, pause it. And write. So that could drive somebody nuts. And I don't oh, yeah. them. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yep. What else have we got here? Books of blood, blah, blah, blah. Kind of a lame ending. But not really, because actually she's alive. Just blah, blah, blah. Oh, there is one story in the Books of Blood that uh, the protagonist does not die. And that is the Yattering Jack. Yeah, let me look that one up. That's when the guy is uh, being haunted by a demonic spirit, but he's ignoring the fact that he's being haunted by a demonic spirit so that he's not giving it like any power or something. And then eventually it gets crazy enough where like, I think it like reveals itself to him and then he's allowed to take control of it. Mm -hmm. Oh uh, yeah. I remember that, uh, (laughs) that story was actually really funny. It was like more of like the comical ones. Cause he's just like, nah, like, I don't care. Like he just ignores this and like trolls this demon. And, uh, like he like kills his cats and stuff. And the guy's just like, no, shucks. Yeah, he's just like, ah. I guess it fell down the stairs. Oh. Yeah, uh, it was, that was a it. really funny one. I also like that he was a gherkin importer. Like, he just imports gherkins. I feel like that one was, like, just meant to be a funny story. That's Yeah, that's what they say on, I think, the wiki or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I uh, that, that's the only one. And I didn't remember that one. I was like, yeah, this is supposed to be like, oh, so nihilistic and everybody's supposed to die. And then I looked up in research, uh, like, all the stories and i remember the yattering jack where he doesn't die he he takes control of a demon but it's weird because you could say like the demon is the unfortunate party in that one because he gets taken control but he still doesn't get he doesn't become a part of the highway of death Mm. which yeah another thing i didn't really say in the movie is that the importance of the house and the guy becoming the book of death at that location is because they are physically on location at an intersection or of the highway of death. So it's like a, like a focal point or like a spiritual, I I don't know what they call it. Whirlpool. Something like that. Yeah. Vortex. That's the word. Yeah. So it's like a intersection vortex. It's a particularly strong spiritual point, which why it's in her house. I don't fucking know why it's in the psychologist's house. I don't know. Cause it's just convenient for the, i like the fact that like highway i don't know i'm trying to think of what book it was but it's something it was one of the ones by christopher moore he's not a horror writer but he is a comedy writer and i like that like horror and comedy is pretty much like if it was like a venn diagram it would be a very off like barely off circle because it's like they're like the same fucking thing and um yeah, and uh, I forget what book it is by Christopher Moore, but they have, like, a highway of death thing where literally all the ghosts are, like, on the highway, like, in San Francisco, I'm pretty sure. It's, like, the Golden Gate Bridge or something. Like, they're, like, it's, like, the death highway. And, like, I don't know, that's pretty freaky. I remember when I was younger, I'd have, like, nightmares about highways and stuff, but that's terrifying now in retrospect. So, <laughs> don't like highways anymore, everybody. I have all back roads from here on out. <laughs> Remembering traumas. <laughs> ah, don't like it. But, uh, God damn. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you got Jordan Peele, man. Comedy, comedy and fucking... Uh horror you got greek comedy like it's called comedy for fuck's sake 
but it actually like it's people like it's horrible shit you know? yeah i mean yeah. yeah like i know like comedy and tragedy are supposed to be like pretty like intermingled and like the same thing but like i don't know like horror movies are usually pretty fucking funny especially like i like it now too when they're like more open about it and like they just like lean or whatever like um like get out and i think it might have been us but it was just like i don't know they were like really funny and it's like these are horror movies written by dudes known for comedy and like it just like works really well because i feel like yeah it's like all the same thing tim and eric yeah tim tim heidecker no no, it was uh jordan and um key and peel basically those guys no but but tim tim heidegger was in us he was a character oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, he was Ah. yeah so and he's like absurd and i mean they got they got uh tim heidegger and uh eric tim and eric they did a bedtime stories a uh, tv show which was, it wasn't like super long. it was two seasons like eight episodes per season it's like 15 minute episodes yeah but yeah that's it's like a bunch of dream scenarios that go either go horribly wrong or just go absurd but there's still like aspects of horror in it that i think yeah really i mean cool. horror and comedy like the whole thing that makes the stories work like when we write a joke why do our good jokes work it's because there's a twist or whatever like there's an unexpected and it's like whether that's for comedy or horror like it doesn't really matter because like it's still like the same principles of like mm-hmm. you have a setup or like a premise and then it's like big twist and then it's either supposed to be scary or hilarious and like depending on the comic it could be both <laughs> it's just like yeah it's like yeah like i've had jokes where it's like i hate this joke and it's like well it'd be a good horror movie maybe or it's like a promise i don't know in my brain horror and comedy are the same fucking thing and it's just like so like because like i'll laugh during horror movies because i'm like ah, oh, like it like tickles Stupid. me like yeah, yeah. It's like i don't know i just i like it i'm like ah <laughs> yeah i actually i write horror um and i took i took a little bit of a break from writing horror when i was starting to really start doing a comedy um in this past year because i found like like i was waking up in the morning and i would write like a 500 to a thousand words of of horror and then in the middle of the day when i i I was working for batteries plus like uh, part-time at this time um i would like write my comedy set before going like at night to go so like it'd be like the morning is horror the middle of the afternoon like while i'm supposed to be working with batteries plus um i'd be writing jokes and then i'd go to you know like the studio madness or or, you know josh's mic and um and then i'd perform there so like there was this one time where i went up on stage and i like all of my jokes were just they like they weren't good no i'll be like i'm not great at comedy but (laughs) um like i i heard this expression at work that i thought was like wicked funny which is like smiling like a pig in the sun and it's like, that's a weird expression. What does that mean? So we looked up the definition of it, and it's when uh, a pig is left out after being slaughtered. It's it's left out in a field, and it dries up. And when it dries up, the skin shrivels, and it pulls back the face, and it makes the, the, the pig have a smile. Jesus Christ! So I that's said sick. something like that on stage, thinking like, yeah, that's a fucking riot. These like a smile like a pig in the sun? That's ridiculous. <laughs> And nobody laughed. And afterwards, I was like, "Yeah, you shouldn't have." <laughs> like, hey, that fair was horrifying. Because that's a terrifying visual. But like, yeah, that's most, I've never heard that expression. But yeah, you you can tell most of the time when when comedians that you're seeing on stage are like on the edge, you know. 
And I feel like I gave off a little too much of that vibe. Like, I am on... The, yeah, no. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, so... So, yeah. I mean, comedy and and horror, they're like, you know, peanut butter and jelly. But still, you know... Like I said... still leaning in one way. There's a Venn diagram. It's not a perfect circle. It is a very close circle, but it is still not a circle. <laughs> so it's like when you get, like, those little moments, it's like... All right, there's the not a circle part. Perfect, nailed it. Moving on. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have much more to say about the movie. Frankly speaking, no, I mean, ah! I think... no, there was something cool. Oh, geez. Um, we're not even cool. I don't know what the fuck this was. So, uh, in my classic fashion of what I was just saying, where I'll pause the movie and then back up, like fucking, I'm like right. a minute and I replay it and pause it. Blah. Um, when. Fuckface McFuckboy. Uh, I don't even remember his name. Greg or something stupid. Yeah, the one that becomes the Book of Blood. Oh, oh Simon? Because he's a fuckboy too. These guys, they say They're shit all like. Fuckboys. Uh, None of the characters were likable, but especially. Miles, he's a fuckboy. I know. What's he say? He's, I quoted him. Uh, I thought Miles was the son. Okay, she, he, so the psychologist walks into her office, and then there's a guy sitting there, and she goes, like, Oh, what are you doing here? And he goes, uh, she goes like, are you a student? And he's like, of life. Oh, God. <laughs> Just classic fuckboy shit. And I was like, this is fuck. <laughs> but um, he's like one of those old dudes who's like, is a student at the school of hard knocks it's just like oh, shut yeah. up i'm a student of life works at comedy shut up no you don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he uh fucking he cons her by um going into a room and then he's completely naked from head to toe and he like painted on the, on the walls beforehand and then he releases a canister in the room that really reveals shit on the walls um or blood on the walls not shit which is important to clarify in a Clive Barker story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, after he, he goes like, oh, you have to turn the lights off so that the demons can like, you know, come in or the ghost can come in and like, you know, whatever. And so they turn the lights off in the room and then there's some screaming, whatever. And then they turn the lights on and there's blood covering the walls and there's words like written on the walls and stuff. And I was really hoping that if you were to read the walls, that some of them would correlate with some of the actual stories of the books of blood, because that's the only way that this movie could have possibly fucking paid tribute in like the right way. Cause the stories are scrawled onto the person that, you know, was at the intersection of the dead highway. So presumably this guy was going to have writing on his body. That's going to correlate with the books of blood, but none of that was on the wall. What's weird though, is that there were, there was at least one reference where the wall yeah, said Joseph Joseph Baker, seventeen sixty seven to eighteen seventeen. I I picked that out on the wall. I mean, the other words that I picked out was Penelope Rose, which is just like a kind of flower or like a, a perfume. Um, another weird one was Row Row, which if it is a reference, I didn't get it. Maybe I need to reread the books of blood. But with Joseph Baker, seventeen sixty seven to eighteen seventeen, I looked that up, and that guy is just some random British naval officer in history. Um, his name appears on many Vancouver-based maps. Uh, he supposedly helped map out Hawaii. That was one of the things that he did. But he didn't come to a tragic end. He just kind of, like, retired and then died a normal death. Like, I mean, it's uh, not like... A, yeah, he, he lived... 
seventeen to sixty seven to eighteen seventy. Well, it was think, a pretty long think, lifetime for that kind. I think the fact that the stuff he wrote on the wall when he was faking being <clears> the books <throat> of blood kind of makes sense, and it's just like banal shit or whatever. Uh, except for like obviously the part where he's like, "We're not sleeping," because like that does like it wouldn't make sense if they were actual references because at that point in time he wasn't the books of blood. Like he was doing a ruse, and like would therefore need to like. He needs to write something, so it's like, all right, just like put this random shit. Cause like like I looked at the wall or whatever, I didn't really think about it, but I was just like, oh yeah, like these are probably like all stories or whatever. And that's like all he really needed to convince the people watching him is that like, oh yeah, no, these are stories. And like the the cincher was uh the kid dying, which he revealed he figured out by talking to the husband or whatever, or like the ex like the baby's dad or whatever. And so it's like I don't know. I think that part makes sense. And like I'm not mad at it for just having like a rando reference. Cause it would be weirder if he did have true references. Cause then the question is like, well, how did he know that? Or like, why, you know, it's like, he was, oh, okay. supposed right. to, yeah, he was supposed to be faking it. So like, well, I was, I was going to say to the contrary, uh, the psychologist does see on the wall, uh, quote, I'm not sleeping mommy. Right. That's how he gets her to believe in it by like, yeah, he, it's like he's, oh, he, doing, he's doing classic cold reading or whatever. Yeah, he chose like, it. yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it oh. is a little weird that he chose the phrase. I'm not sleeping mommy after like our whole, like we get shown, like he goes like, well, what am I going to sleep mommy? And he's like, I'm just going to go to sleep now. And then it's like, this is unusual, but no, I guess it's, it's a reach. Then. It's a logical reach. Cause it's like, okay. Yeah. He could have known that like the kid had died from talking to like the father and like, maybe the father heard that conversation in the hospital. And like, so it's like, you can kind of connect the dots. It's just like, it was just so like, whatever it's like, nah, like, yeah, I wouldn't really pick up on that on my first, but even when, when like thinking about it, it's like, it's not impossible. It's just, kind of a reach it's just kind of like yeah meh. yeah like i said it's just a meh meh movie yeah. i didn't hate like i was i wasn't like oh i want like my time back like i was like oh that's pretty cool <laughs> like the visuals of him turning into the book was like pretty neat and like stuff like that so like would i watch it again no would i recommend it no but like would i still recommend like the books and shit hell yeah like <laughs> how did pumpkins <laughs> like it he wasn't really paying attention. He's a little bitch. He was, <laughs> he was like on his phone or whatever. And like, he was just like, I think he was working or I don't know. He wasn't really paying attention, but he was just like, Ooh, spoopy. Like he was just like, okay. yeah, but he, I don't think he's as into like, I don't think he would sit down and like watch human centipede two with me. I don't think he would be into that. Like, <laughs> you know, I haven't actually ever seen human centipede. Cause I just never felt like it. It's you know? good. I like it. It's gross. It's real gross. And like, it's very like scientific horror, which I like. And which is why I didn't hate Books of Blood. Cause I was like, there is like a scientific like aspect to it where it's like, wow, someone really could do this in real life if they really fucking like wanted to. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, like, I don't know. I like that aspect where it's like, like you, like you hear human centipede and you're like, there's no fucking way, but it's like, like, the whole point of the second one is that it's, like, meta and where it's, like, it's about a dude who watches the movie Human Centipede and then tries to do it himself. And then how it would, like, go wrong or whatever. Because, like, yeah, you could try it. Like, I don't think it would be, like, successful. But, like, it's, like, all it is is, like, shit that, like, normal people, like, you could do that. Like, all he did was break their knees and, like, sew their faces to their assholes. It's, like, 
You That's could fun. do that. Someone could do that. It's a crazy idea, but like someone could do that. Like, that is cool. Crazy. So, so yeah. the second movie was like a like a no, no, seriously, guys. Yeah, it was going to happen. Yeah, it was like a. It's like this crazy dude. His name's Marvin or something, and I think he's <laughs> meant to be like kind of like off mentally. Like I don't, I don't want to say like autistic, but like kind of like just like a there's something fucking wrong with him but like not so wrong that he can't like you know live on his own and like whatever and uh like he like you know whatever Uh, wrong in the way where uh he can cook food for himself but but also wrong in the way where he sews people's fucking mouths to other people's assholes like sepsis and shit and like they fall (laughs) apart because his sewing is like subpar and shit but like even like the first one where it's like a straight up like surgeon doing it it's like yeah if you're a fucking surgeon who's gone crazy like you're gonna have the know-how of how to like incapacitate people in the most clean and effective way so it's like the human centipede franchise i never saw the third one which is like fucked up because i really want to i'm pretty sure it takes place in like a prison or something um i really do want to see it but like the first and second one it like takes both approaches to this crazy wild concept where upon hearing it you're like there's no way but then when you watch it it's like yeah there actually is a fucking way like you could either be a surgeon and it like happens that way or you could just be like a batshit insane dude who's like burr i'm gonna do this because i saw it in a movie and then the horror and like the gross parts comes from how it goes wrong because like obviously he wouldn't be able to do it well like a surgeon but like he could still fuck you up could still slice your buttholes and stuff like it's just Ooh, the poopy it's grossy it's yucky my, my favorite my favorite serial killer is uh ed gein you know him yeah he's one of my Fuck favorite yeah. albert because he's a sweetheart <laughs> he gets captured and and then he pleads guilty and then he spends the rest of his days in like a mental institution just being nice you know like, not bad i like, he's, like he's genuinely confused about what he did but he did essentially the same thing he was just a dude living in like a farm shack with like a shitty shitty yeah. parents and family and he just yeah. decides to start fucking around with some corpses and like yeah. reupholstering his couch with flesh you know right like who's gonna stop him and it's just like like i like a uh, albert fish i'm pretty sure he was the one he would like shove like pins uh, and stuff in his own butthole yeah. and stuff like that like Real he was fucking... sadistic and crazy so it's like piece of work yeah and it's like you fucking you see these movies like human some people people are like how could anybody blah blah and it's like well dog that's pretty fucking tame compared to shit that has actually fucking happened like people are crazy and like that's why i like these movies because it's like it just reminds you that like even if it's far-fetched it's really not it's like really not like scarier or on par same as scary shit has happened like in real life to real people like yeah it's like a very grim reminder that's definitely a hurdle of of some horror i think we were talking about this in the last episode um but pretty much like no no i was talking about this yeah i I reviewed cuties it happens um because like i I, I read uh i i never watched it because like i just didn't have time and i didn't really care honestly because like what i read was like netflix dropped the ball with marketing they fucking did a really shitty job or whatever but like the whole point of the film was that it's supposed to make you uncomfortable like there's a difference between promoting something and talking about it it's like like in comedy and how people get all up in arms about rape jokes like i can already like tell someone's butthole is gonna fucking pucker because i said the fucking r word but it's like 
I believe like you can tell a joke about rape. It just depends on where you're punching. It's like, well, are you like punching down on it and like shitting on victims? Or are you bringing something uncomfortable to light and like kind of like your message is overall good. It makes you uncomfortable, but that's the fucking point of it. And it's like, in the grand scheme of things, not bad. Like, that's how I took this movie. It's like, it's not promoting pedophilia. It's not saying that this shit is good. It's like being like, no, this is shit that fucking happens and it should make you feel gross, but it is happening. And I can say from a firsthand experience, uh, I used to be a photographer for dance studios and shit. Like, the way, like, these people, like, sexualize their fucking children is real, and it's so accepted because they think, like, oh, well, we ain't touching them, so it's not fine, or, mm-hmm. like, so it's fine, or whatever, and it's, like, no, and it's, like, it happens on a lot of levels, like, how many fucking, like, baby onesies have you seen where it's, like, stud or, like, lady killer, and it's supposed to be, like, oh, cute, it's a baby, but, like, you're sexualizing a baby, like, you Rats. are, like... Exactly. It's like there's so many examples in everyday life of like gross fucking shit, if you really think about it, that people will like die on that hill of defending. But TikTok. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> but like, oh, because she made a movie about it and because it's in your fucking face, now you don't like it. It's like, it's just kind of like, shut up. Like, if you cared, you wouldn't like fight with people when they try to call other shit out like it's because it's always the same crowd it's like the people are like oh snowflakes like this upsets you because it's like the snowflakes quote unquote who are the, like calling this shit out and they're like oh you're just making a big deal out of nothing but then when you like see the real life effects of these like big deal out of nothings oh but now you don't like it it's like well what yeah. is, is it save the children or is it are you going to cherry pick which way you want to sexualize children you know what i mean so it's like I just don't fucking like children in general, so I just don't pay attention to them. I'm, like, I don't care. I'm never gonna have one. I don't care about yours. I don't want to see yours. Like, whatever. But, like, yeah, the whole fucking drama about that movie just seemed fucking stupid. Like, it just seemed like two sides kind of missing the entire point and just killing each other over it. I'm like, I don't fucking you care. Prove, yeah, you like a lot of what you said is a lot of what I said, where I was like, yeah. well, from a horror perspective, if you don't like it, duh. <laughs> like they're so close to getting it it's like you were so close but like they're just so like they're they just missed the point and it's like but, but i the same point though i mean and i i hate to say this too but you know there are there's some ethical questions <laughs> You know, like, just because you know... I didn't see the movie. I can only go based off the synopsis and, like, a few, like, stills that I saw. So, yeah. like, maybe maybe my entire future would change upon seeing it. But, like, I heard and I saw, like, scenes or whatever where, like, the little, like, they're, like, what, 11? And they're, like, wearing, like, suggestive outfits and shit like that. But, like I said, I shot dance studios and that is very common like it's real yeah i I mean i did a whole deep fucking analysis and i think i did a pretty thorough fucking job um yeah so if if anybody is interested in actually hearing more about that then i do have an episode not to plug anything on my own but (laughs) did put a lot of work into it actually the uh the person that i have on that episode with me is uh my friend uh miranda and she literally has a degree in quote social justice so 
yeah we got authority on the fucking matter and she yeah. did a whole fucking a ton of research too she watched the movie twice she took like four pages of notes respectively uh, aside from the movie yeah, no her ass listen to me on any of this literally all my experience is based off of like secondhand shit that i read and fucking the fact that like i used to shoot dance so like when i hear like oh there's no way i'm like yeah there's a fucking way yeah but, yeah there is a way actually like that totally fucking happens like it it does but and like and like i said like when people are like doing it like they don't even like realize it like they don't do it with the intent of sexualizing their kids like they just think like oh like dance outfit like this is whatever but it's like i would like not that they were all like that because like i did like a lot like ballet and shit which is just like typical ballet like it's not like really like quote unquote like skanky or whatever the fuck you want to call it but like Mm -hmm. there were some dance studios where i was like this outfit just makes me feel itchy like i just it ew like it's just like what like why like you like why like especially with like like a lot of like hip-hop dances and stuff and um contemporary and like modern and shit they would just like be over the top like not like revealing but like revealing and it's like you don't like for like a hip-hop like you can wear sweatpants you don't need to have booty shorts you don't need to like i understand yeah. the appeal for the older like the adult classes and like or like even like the high schoolers like when you're dealing with like 18 year olds and shit like that like of age like uh like i get it more because like there's gonna be high schoolers who are like fucking like there is sexually active high schoolers whether we like it or not oh, it, yeah middle yeah, schoolers like, for shit's sake ugh, gross i mean i was a fucking yeah, I, know. Until I was like 20 so like whatever but like i i get it but like i'm talking about like the 11 and unders like children like children it's like there's no need for it but they did it because in their minds it wasn't like a th- it's like they're like this is just dance culture and it's like they just weren't thinking about it that hard and it's like and then they like there's an argument to be made of like oh well if your mind goes there like that speaks to your mindset because like it's like true whatever like when i shot pictures of the kids i wasn't thinking like wow like what a sexy outfit like wow sexual i'm just thinking like oh here's a kid in fucking shorts or whatever but then like looking back like after this movie and shit i'm like wow that is kind of like fucked up so it's like it's like am i fucked up for not thinking how sexualized it is or like am i fucked up for like you're gonna be i don't know i feel like the arguments can be made on both sides you're gonna be fucked up either way but all i can say is like i don't know stop fucking kids just don't fuck kids like what the hell is wrong with y'all stop fucking kids (laughs) everything that you're saying like pretty much correlates with also like what the the direction or like what the director wanted because like her account is literally like she went to like a dance pageant and then she saw a bunch of kids dancing like super sexually and like she was shocked by this stuff and she was like what the fuck and she like she's like i need to read more into this so she did like thousands of interviews of literal like 11 year olds who are in dance troops and stuff to like get to the bottom of what the fuck this is and she honed a lot of what you're saying right now where like yeah. I, I, I like i said it on the tlwl i'm gonna say it here and i'm a little nervous about saying it because everybody's all like oh but it's t- technically yeah. it's a good movie like it's it conveys a really complex aspect yeah. of society that we're currently yeah. living with people and, think and, that yeah. a good movie is like oh if a movie is good it's because it makes me feel good just be like exactly. how you feel doesn't make a movie good or bad like if a movie mm-hmm. leaves you feeling uneasy and like upset as something like this obviously most likely should or like how like a horror movie should that it's doesn't make it a point. bad movie it did its job like people yeah. 
like movies are anything like they think like oh it's not good unless i feel good it's like no you are a fucking simple-minded fool and should just stick to like fucking watching cartoons or something because it's like if you need to feel good in order to think something is like well done it's like you're kind of an idiot but like well it's a little harsh but like it's tie it all feel good to get it you know yeah to tie it all like into a nice little sweet bow because we are technically talking about books of blood not cuties although i could go off on cuties with i know i don't want to go out of passion anymore because i feel like i've probably already dug myself into a hole i don't know maybe they'll fucking but i'm just like look i didn't think about it when i was like taking the pictures and chicks i didn't see him like dancing but like if you had the things like mixed with the dance maybe it would have clicked but it's like i firsthand like understand how it kind of slips under the radar because it's like you just you don't think about it you're like i'm just here doing my job yeah it's dance they're wearing you you see it in society every day but yeah the like i did uh, a comparison episode where it was cuties but it was also uh a little bit of the girl with the dragon tattoo which is a movie that i i passionately love yeah um because of uh, the topics that it covers and the way that it does it and then it has like that one horrible fucking scene that or like two of them technically um that gets your blood boiling in a way that makes you respect the topic that it's talking about because true crime is like often talked about but never actually like felt you know yeah it's um appreciated yeah good for the fact that it's actually true so between cuties um girl with dragon tattoo and then uh if we throw in clive barker i think the reason that i love clive barker is exactly that reason none of these three movies are supposed to make you feel great afterwards yeah and that's the point and that's like classically why i probably love clive barker maybe clive barker opened up something in my head that made me like the first time i saw these stories i was like oh that's fucking gross and then like a few years later i'm like no shit that's cool like that's like he said a truth that I I can I can probably say like writing that down like the the head the place your head goes when you're writing stories you get into it like you get there so I don't I don't imagine he wrote all this stuff like from a place of comfort there's probably varying degrees of mental health you know cycling in and out yeah uh, but regardless like those stories the the books of blood as absurd as they get they're so full of something like weirdly carnally true mm-hmm. and it hurts and so yeah you read his stories and like it's horror in its fullest where it it's not supposed to make you feel good that is the point it's supposed yeah. to it's like evoking things that you don't want to deal with but does that mean that they shouldn't be dealt with no way they mm. should be confronted everything is worth knowing you know and it's worth going there and i yeah. think clive barker is one of the few people that i i can think of from a storytelling standpoint that like even Stephen king gets like this whole like oh i'm the king of horror and like i'll, I'll say this right to- now I'm sure he's great. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King books, but I've seen a lot of Stephen King movies. Mm-hmm. I like Clive Barker shit better. I just, I like it better. Like it's too like, I don't know. Stephen King usually has like some like resolution and it's too like, I don't know, like a happy ending, but it's just like, I don't know. It doesn't get to me. Like Clive it's, does. It's got horror. He's got like him for, uh, I do love Stephen King. I've read most of his books at this point um i've seen all of his movies and i love his movies aesthetically speaking um yeah. and they're the the way it's kind of like the uh, he's kind of like the antithesis uh, i to antithesis to clive barker in his aspect of horror because he has tons of character development it's almost entirely character development and yeah. a dynamic a dynamic of stephen king is always good versus evil and then good resisting evil i think one of the scariest books in my opinion uh or his best written books um using that dynamic is the shining because it's 
wicked yeah, psychological. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, the Shining is definitely like top favorite. Yeah. Like, but like in a comparison between Clive Barker and Stephen King, Stephen King totally like taps more into the goosebumps side of scary. Mm. Where Clive Barker is more like Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> or like kind of well, like I don't want to say creep show because creep show literally is like kind of Stephen King based, but they're both yeah. like great. Like honestly, it's kind of like comparing like green apples to red apples. Like I don't want to say apples to oranges because they're not different enough to say that, but like they're definitely not the same. Like they're both great and they both have like their merits and different pros and cons. And like that's fine. But mm-hmm. like yeah, I don't, like me personally, I just like Clive more because he does make you think and like the stories tend to end like like yeah, Stephen King is like good versus evil and good like resists it, but sometimes Clive is just like not evil's going to win, dog, whether you like it or not. Like <laughs> and that's what I like. It's just like it just it feels like more real. Like I identify with it more, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I don't know, speaks to me more. <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like them for a lot of similar. So I, I identify with the same. It's like <laughs> to throw this out here. Shit has gone fucking wrong for me. OK, like bad shit has happened and then shit happens and it. It shocks you. You feel like you're slapped in the face with like reality for a moment. You're like, this is not real. Like it can't be happening right now, but it fucking is. Um, and I've for, I've had a lot of good experiences, too, where I do like I can identify with either or where like Stephen King still has like components that like speak to me on a soulful level. But still, yeah, that that idea behind Clive Barker's like like it hurts. There is no redemption. And this is how it, like you're you're accepting the circumstance and you know it. Like, you, you know that they're like this is unfair and you are not supposed to be going through this right now. Yeah but you are accepting it. Like there's no yep. fucking choice. Yep. That's this is just how you are now. It's like, uh, like the walrus from, uh, what's his face? Um, oh. Kevin Smith. That's another horror movie. That's like uh human centipede. Oh, is that the one with Justin long or whatever? Yeah. And he gets turned into a walrus. Yeah. Somebody brought that up actually. Uh, when I was talking about this movie or something, and that movie just came up recently. I've never seen it. I want to see it though. You should watch it. I heard like I heard it's just sad like it's like wow like out my feelings so I'm yeah uh-huh damn I'm gonna sub like a bitch all right I'm gonna me and pumpkins are gonna watch that one next I think do it Plus, Kevin yeah. Smith Kevin Smith doing horror that's like a great combination but that is pretty good <laughs> and it's independent too and uh right. spoiler there's a uh, Johnny Depp is in it too oh really weird yeah and no. Johnny Depp's daughter oh no shit pretty crazy oh. but you won't know it oh fuck all right yeah. cool uh yeah uh so as far as uh recommending this movie you say like pretty much nobody should watch this movie it's, it sucks not that nobody should watch it but like i don't know i i feel like i'm a bad litmus test like i said i have very weird standards but i feel like it's i feel like people can watch it like you should give it a shot or whatever i give it like two stars but like if you're not like depraved and a fucking psychopath apparently like i feel like right now uh yeah you'll probably like it for halloween it's very spoopy it's like cool the effects are cool the writing isn't bad it just isn't what i come to expect but if you want to use it as an introduction to the books of blood like if you're like i don't know if i'll read this i'll watch the movie no don't do that just read the book just yeah, if you if you use this for an introduction to the books of blood, you're gonna 
you're gonna have some hurt feelings exactly and like if you have read the books of blood already just don't bother watching the movie because the it's book soft core it, yeah, yeah it's, it's super good. watered down it's not gonna do it for you so that's right yeah. it's like if you have no fucking idea who the fuck clive barker is or whatever and you just want like a spoopy gross movie sure go ahead watch it if you want as an introduction to the books no just read the fucking books and if you've read the books great go read the books again that'll be a better use of your time so that's yeah. where i stand on it I think if you if you've got an itch to scratch with Clive Barker and stuff, unfortunately, like this new one, no. Um, I think that the best adaptation of a Clive Barker story, the be- I think the best movie that really fully encompassed what he has, like I don't want to say aesthetically, but like that the feeling that he brings to his stories, I would judge that by uh, the Candyman. Yep. Candyman is like the best movie I I know of his that got like his his atmosphere, his like lack of hope. Uh, his like weird like it's almost redemption but not really and like just the character interactions and the character motiva- motivations and stuff like uh the, the sexual drives in that one with like her husband like leaving her and stuff um yeah i think that that like, if you're looking for like uh, clive barker it's just either rewatch or watch for the first time candy man instead of this movie yeah um if you're Go not man. a clive barker fan no razor those yeah two. if you're not a clive barker fan this might bother you because I, I know some people could get bothered by this, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like the reviews speak for themselves where even like between me and you, we were both like, yeah, this isn't too great, but the reviews agree. Like it's not, yeah. I've, I've disagreed with reviews before for sure on movies that are yeah. like 40% approval rate. I'm like, this is fucking great. What's wrong with everybody? Yeah. But, I can use my brain, but this one, yeah, it's just very, some, it's so middle. Sometimes the, the crowd is right. <laughs> yep. I think this is one of those cases. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, last, last thing. What's what's your top three favorite stories? If you'd have to make three of them. <clears throat> uh, out of the books of blood or in general? Uh, out of the books of blood. So first one, definitely in the hills, the cities. I like that one. Um, I th- Oh, I think it's just called dread. Yeah, it's Dread, and he, like, puts him in, like, a weird, like, he's just driven crazy. Yeah, I really liked Dread. Mm-hmm. And third, um, hmm, it's, this is hard, because, like, there is, like, six friggin' volumes to choose from, and, like, nine bajillion stories, but probably Jacqueline S., or uh, the one where they're, like, in the desert or something. Yeah, that one was weird. Yeah, I forget what that one's called, but I'm just, so I'm just going to leave it with Jacqueline S. But just like the the visuals you get from reading it, those are my those are my top three. Yeah, for me, Jacqueline S. Her Will and Testament, number one for sure, through and through. Uh, I don't know if you remember Son of Cellu- Celluloid. That's uh, when they're in the movie theater, and then there's a, an escaped convict that dies in the back of the movie theater, and then like movies come alive and like embody him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really remember that one, but I, yeah, yeah. I just I thought that that had some good symbolism in it. Uh, I think it's one of his stories that like was supposed to mean something. And then I, I don't know this one. I, I this was the most the one that I most recently read. Mm-hmm. Um, Human remains, which is the very last one in the, the first one. volume. Yeah, and uh, that one definitely like speaking from like an artist standpoint like the amount that you put into your art and then eventually your art takes your life and then it's more you than your you 
Yeah, I did. I do remember that one. That was another good one, too. Yeah. If we're, if we're looking at this from like Clive Barker, because he got super famous for being like the horror guy. And then if you read the introduction to Books of Blood, he says like, yeah, guys, I'm not really the horror guy anymore, but everybody wants him. It's like Billy Billy Corgan has bitched about this, too, where yeah. I don't want to be Billy anymore. I'm like, shut up, William. You were Billy Corgan <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah. You, you've always got eyeliner. You, that's how you are. OK, that's, that's who you are. All right. Bullet with the butterfly wings. I but it does it is it is interesting where like the personality takes on the artist more than the artist is able to fulfill that demand and so that yeah. was a story that i really felt while i was reading it where it felt like there was a lot of emotion put into it by clap barker but yeah mm. yeah maybe yep. that was like the turning point or whatever yeah That's which cool. is the last one and other fun fact is that the first volume of books of blood books one two and three are way more available than volume two i think the demand is the sole purpose i had a hard time getting volume two i think i i think i did eventually order it through like regrettably amazon paperbacks yeah but i had a hard fucking time getting volume two with stories uh sorry with books four five and six. Oh, okay so you mean oh okay so like compendium two yeah yeah because i was gonna say like i don't recognize any of the stories from four five and six i think the compendium of volumes one two and three is the one that i have yeah uh, yeah 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 because yeah they they're fucking they're so good though <laughs> like, yeah, i think i think the first volume so they say it it's like this is volume one books one two and three and then there's volume two books four five and six um I haven't heard too much about the stories from four, five, and six. I know that the story uh, on Jerusalem Street, which this uh, movie adapts, and then um, Candyman is in volumes four, five, and six, or sorry, books four, five, and six. Fucking a. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like the stories uh, that I'm from what I've read so far, they're more tame. I'm, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I've only gotten like two stories in. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like, yeah, the, the more famous stories are uh, books one, two and three comprised in volume one. Yeah. Um, so, sure. yeah. I, and maybe maybe after volume one, books one, two and three, he did go through some kind of like a personal change where he was like. He wanted to write more meaningful stuff because, yeah, like. For all that yeah, I love yeah. the books of blood, I can see that it kind of like might for the person that's writing it might leave a hole where you're making stuff, but it's kind of smut. He actually literally says on some of his books, like, this is smut. Put it down. Damn. (laughs) Yeah, that's on, like, the back of one of his books that I first picked up when I I was first checking them out. But, yeah. Yep. Dope. All right. Well, um, I've been Kyle. And I've been Brianna. And this has been... Not Film School. Happy Halloween. Uh, Is that a thing? Happy Halloween, everybody. (laughs) 